As you see from the, the sermon, my name is Carl Bowden, and my topic today is go right in. I hope you'll see how that comes about here. When I realized my need for the Lord and gave my life to him a bunch of years ago, it was his love for me that touched me deeply. Each day since then, I have tried to be open to him, to obey him, and to trust him. But there have been times when I either said or did something that was unkind, disobedient, or selfish. When the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin in my life, I tried to confess and repent of the sins without delay. It has always been important to me to keep my heart right with him. Unfortunately, sometimes I feel like I'm confessing and repenting of the same sins repeatedly. I know that the Lord forgives me and loves me. Sometimes I also feel guilty about my sin and wonder if God gets tired of hearing my confessions. Has anybody ever been there this morning? Sometimes I'm harder on myself than God is on me. Do you, know, do you understand that? What I hope to underline for all of us today, including myself, is that we can go right in to the presence of the Lord and talk to him because of what Jesus did for us. We do not need to hold back. So I want you to think for a moment, and if the broadcast folks would put up the passage on the screen, think for a moment with me about this passage from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22, and this is the NLT. It goes like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Thanks to God for his word and his promises. So over the last few weeks, you've heard sermons on the topic, the door to life, which point to Jesus as the narrow gate. Today, I'm talking about going through the curtain into the most holy place, as it says in verse 20, which also refers to the, the door as the veil or the temple's inner door. 
The good news of this morning's sermon is that you and I have full, full access to the Lord because of the huge price paid by Jesus for us. Is there an amen in the house? Verse 22 tells us, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. And I'm shortening that to go right in. You and I get to go right into the Lord's presence. As it says in verse 19, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. To go boldly means to go confidently, without shame or shyness. Jesus shed his blood for us. Jesus, the sinless one, took all your sin upon himself. All the judgment of God went on Jesus for that sin. Our sins have been completely forgiven. He made us completely clean. He made us pure. He accepts us completely. And you and I can talk to him about anything and everything. You and I are his beloved children. He knows what makes you tick. He has cleansed you also from the guilt and the shame of your former sins. We can go right in. Would you say that with me? Go right in. Let's practice again. Go right in. Way to go. So go boldly. Go confidently. We are fully accepted and loved by him. We can talk to him about anything. He knows everything about us. You're not going to shock God with your prayers. He's not going to go, oh, I didn't know that about you. He knows everything about you. He fully accepts and he loves you and me so much. So what am I supposed to say to him? Well, how about start off by saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for giving me access to the throne of grace. Just be open with him. You have a relationship with him. You can talk to him. You don't have to be formal with him, although you better respect him. You can talk to him about the big things and the little things. You don't have to just talk to him about out there, but you can talk to him about the things that you're concerned about in your day. But to appreciate what God has done for us, let's go back for a few minutes to the temple in Jerusalem. Very few people were given permission to enter the most holy place in the temple in Jerusalem. So about the temple. Even though God did not allow David to build the temple, God gave David instructions for the temple. 
which he then passed on to his son, Solomon, who had the temple built. And it was built on a place called Mount Moriah. Have you ever heard of Mount Moriah? And that's in Jerusalem. And you can find that in 1 Chronicles 28, verses 9 through 19. But some things to know about Mount Moriah. You've heard it before in other places in the Old Testament. The first place, it was where Abraham and Isaac went. And the almost sacrifice of Isaac took place. Remember, God spoke to him and said, don't stop, and he provided a ram in the thicket. The second time, King David sinned by numbering the people in his kingdom. And the angel of the Lord intervened in that place so that Jerusalem was not destroyed. You should read that story. And then thirdly, the temple under Solomon's oversight was built there. And 2 Chronicles and 1 Kings 6 describe the temple in detail to include the contents of the most holy place and the veil or curtain across the entrance into the most holy place. So just picture this with me, the dimensions of the most holy place. From your elbow to your fingertip is a cubit. The length of the most holy place was 20 cubits, or 30 feet. The width of the most holy place was 30 feet. The height of the most holy place was 30 feet. A cube, a perfect cube, 30 feet. Each wing of the cherubim, and cherubim were the angels. Each wing of the cherubim, and cherubim have two wings. Each wing was five cubits, seven and a half feet long, each wing. So with two wings on each cherubim, the wings would have stretched from wall to wall inside the most holy place, 15 feet plus 15 feet. That's a lot of wings. And the cherubim statues stood on their feet. The veil, or the curtain, it was a heavy curtain. It had blue, purple, and crimson threads woven into fine linen with designs of cherubim, angels, on it. The materials and colors used were the same as those used in the veil of the tabernacle. And the Ark of the Covenant was placed beneath the cherubim, the poles of the ark, there were rings on the sides of the ark where poles could be put in for the priest to carry the ark. The poles of the ark could be seen from the holy place, outside the most holy place. The ark contained the Ten Commandments. Do you have a mental picture of what this looks like? Did you see Raiders of the Lost Ark? where he said, keep your eyes closed. The ark contained the Ten Commandments. And of course, on top of the ark, there, it was gold, and there were small, much smaller cherubim facing each other there also. Various references say that the approximate size of the curtain of the temple at the time of Jesus was 20 feet wide 
60 feet long, and according to tradition, it was four inches thick. At the time of Moses and the tabernacle, the veil was 15 feet wide and 15 feet long. And you can read more of those details about the tabernacle and about the temple in 2 Chronicles 3 through 6. And 1 Kings 6 also describes the inside of the temple with decorative cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers that were on the walls of the outer and the inner rooms of the temple. And it was a beautiful place, wooden walls covered with gold. But you and I have access to the very presence of God. Go right in. Go right in. And your access is not just a one-day pass to your favorite water or amusement park. Aren't you glad? It's not a one-week access pass. It's not a one-year access pass. It's not even a lifetime access pass like the national parks. It's a pass for eternity, brothers and sisters. It's not the cheap seats in the stadium. It's not the good seats in the stadium. It's not the best seats. It's the absolute best place. We can go right in. We can go in close and personal to be with the Lord himself. What a relief. What a blessing. Your access to the Lord doesn't just give you a one-time meet and greet. Hey, I'm so-and-so. You ever gotten to meet a celebrity? A one-time meet and... You don't just have a meet and greet access with the Lord. Your access gives you a relationship with the Lord to talk to him to listen to him, to know him, to grow with him, to pour out your tears before him and sing praises to him. And by the way, I think we will be doing that for a long time, so we may as well get used to it now. Let's go backwards in the Old Testament a little further. The most holy place was first described in the tabernacle built in the wilderness, and then moved many times during the travels of God's people. The tabernacle was on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, which is right next to Mount Moriah, before the temple was built. And Exodus 25 and 26 describe the instructions that God gave to Moses about the contents of the most holy place in the tabernacle and how the high priest should conduct himself there. Only the high priest was permitted to go beyond the veil once a year on the Day of Atonement. More details, you can read more details, like I said, in Exodus 25 and 26. Well, Carl, it's all fine and good that you're telling us about the tabernacle, about the ark, about the temple, about the layout of the holy place, about the cherubim, about the veil, and all that. But Carl, I'm not Jewish. 
Why should I learn about the Jewish sacrificial system? My family were Gentiles, Carl, and I came to faith in Christ, and I didn't, all of this wasn't that important to me. My, my family came to Christ like the Gentiles in the book of Acts. How will this learning about the temple help me to walk with the Lord now? Well, those are good questions. And my family, Carl's family, wasn't Jewish either. My ancestors lived in Northern Europe. They were pagans and eventually became Christians. And they grew mustard and scratched out a meager living in places like Scotland and England and Germany. But remember something, if that was your objection that Jesus did not just come to save the Jewish people. He came to be the Savior of everyone all over the world. That includes you and me too. Sometimes we look for loopholes. Whether you want to read the Old Testament sacrifices or not, or about the temple or not, the Old Testament, by the way, is part of the Word of God. And sin was sin, and God's requirements were the same about sin. Romans 3, 23 tells us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did you hear that? All. The verse does not say, some have sinned. In addition, places like Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, all, that's all, we, like sheep, have gone astray, each to his own way, all of us. But now, but now, you and I, in Christ, get to go right in. Would you say it again with me? Go right in. Amen. Remember what we read earlier in Hebrews 10, verse 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So go right in and talk to him. Talk to him about that past sin that you are still holding against yourself. That you're still beating yourself up about. You think... You are unworthy to enter his presence, no matter what this preacher says. You may not be convinced that he forgave your sins. You think you are the exception. Everyone else's sins will be forgiven, but not mine, Carl. Mine was too bad. You know what? You're wrong. You are wrong. You can also talk to him about things like your daily troubles, your fears, your anxieties, your disappointments. And you can talk to him about your health issues and the issues that your family and friends have with health. 
As Hebrews 10 verse 20 says, he opened a life-giving way. You and I need his life-giving way. Amen? We need it. We need his life every day, every moment, and we have access to talk to him. Well, we've looked at the temple. We've looked at the tabernacle. Let's go back a little further in the Old Testament. Let's look briefly at the Garden of Eden, where the original sin took place. After Adam and Eve sinned, God ordered them to leave the garden. Genesis 3, verses 23 and 24 says, So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve had a one-way exit and could not return. It reminds me of the airport in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Kathy and I made trips to Puerto Rico for three years. Our son-in-law's in the Coast Guard, and we visited our daughter, our son-in-law, and our grandsons there. Like most airport terminals, once you get off the plane and head through the terminal, there's a spot where a speaker announces that beyond this point, you cannot re-enter. Can you picture that in airports you've been through? Once you go through that exit, you must go all the way around and come back in as a ticketed customer. You can't say, oh, I forgot my purse or I forgot my phone. I left it on the, sorry, you got to go back around. Adam and Eve had a one-way exit from the garden, just like a one-way exit in an airport terminal. Now, however, you and I have access to the Lord. Remember the words from Hebrews 10, 21 and 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Isn't it a good thing to have a clear conscience, to have a conscience that's been washed by the blood of Christ? So go right in. He's purified us. He's made us clean. So I want to ask you to think with me for a moment about what happened to the curtain, to the most holy place in the temple at the moment that Jesus died on the cross. God made access for us right away. The scripture says this in Matthew 27, 50 and 51. So then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, 
the curtain in the sanctuary of the, of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. So as the scripture says, the great veil or curtain into the most holy place was torn, not from the bottom to the top, as you might expect. If there was an earthquake, you would expect it to be torn from the bottom where the earthquake came from. Rather, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. But the curtain, the top of the curtain was 30 feet off the ground. This is a big curtain. And it was so thick that no one could see through it. Do you have any curtains like that in your house? I mean, there's, there's room darkening curtains, but this one really, you couldn't see through it. It was, it was said to be four inches Thick. Do you have any curtains that thick? It was even said in some of the sources that two horses running opposite directions couldn't pull that curtain apart. It was so strong. So God's miraculous power tore the curtain, and God himself granted access to the most holy place. At that unique moment, when Jesus died on the cross, tombs were opened, and many men and women raised from the dead and walked around Jerusalem. What a fantastic surprise that must have been to their families and friends to have this knock on the door. Oh, look, it's so-and-so. I thought you were dead. What are you doing here? What an amazing day to see their loved ones back from the dead because of the power of God that took place on the cross through Jesus Christ. So now, go right in. I'm also reminded, and I'm talking about airports today because my kids live in faraway places. I'm also reminded of trips that Kathy and I took and have taken and will take to Germany over the last 10 years to visit our son our daughter-in-law, and our granddaughters. But to get to our loved ones in Germany, you get off the plane, you go through customs in the Munich airport, we had to have our vaccination record and our valid passport in hand. We stood in line, and we were called to the customs counter one at a time. The German police, the customs police, asked us about the purpose of our trip. They asked us how long we were going to stay in the country. They asked us what city we were traveling to. And satisfied with our answers, they stamped our passports and gave us permission to enter Germany. We retrieved our luggage and went through that last door to the area where our family was waiting for us. 
See, they couldn't come in to all those other places, but we finally got access to them, and hugs and kisses abounded once we saw them and spent time with them. Thankfully, I can also say that they are coming to visit us this summer, and we hope that you'll get to meet them here at EMC. So, go right in. Go right into the presence of God. As Hebrews 10 verse 22 says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Oh, what a wonderful gift God has given us. Our access to God is wonderfully different from any access to any human VIP. To get access to the President of the United States in the White House, imagine the metal detectors, background checks, and security checks you would have to go through to get in there. To get access to the Lord... There are no metal detectors. There's no scanning devices. There's no bag scans. We have complete and personal access to the God of the universe, to the Lord of life, to the King of kings, to our creator, to our redeemer, through Jesus Christ. Go right in. We can talk to him about everything. And he wants us to. He is listening. He loves you and me so much. So my challenge to all of us is, if you have kept God at arm's distance, please put your arm down and open your heart and let him have his way in all of you and go right in and keep going right in every day. Amen? Amen. I'd like to ask the worship team if you'd please come up. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me as they're coming up. Let's, let's close our time in prayer together, please. Father, we thank you today for your great loving kindness towards us. Thank you, Lord, that we have access, that we can go right into the most holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have access to you. We can talk to you. You love us. You've forgiven us. You've purified us. You've washed us. Father, we put our arms down. We don't want to keep you at arm's distance. We want to give you a big hug. We want to receive your love. And if we've been holding you back because we weren't sure you really could forgive us or that our sin was too hard. God, we just open our hearts to that this morning to receive your forgiveness. And 
we forgive ourselves, God. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. So, Father, forgive us, cleanse us, purify us, and we thank you that we have access to you through Jesus our Lord. And we pray in his name. Amen.